Welcome back to DQB Does, the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network movie review show where we drink turpentine and honey and try not to aspirate it into our lungs. With me this evening is my co-host, Russell. I've never tried turpentine, but... Don't. I used to do shots of Everclear when I was young, dumb, and full of... Idiocy. Yes. Um... So turpentine is like a like a pine derivative, and it's not meant for consumption. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've definitely like so this I, this was a thing that people used to do, like uh, on ships and like and like just just fucking, get desperate. Yeah, just get like that was the thing. Like yeah. you're drunk, you're out of actual alcohol, so you just drink, drink some turpentine. something. Yeah. Yeah. Or your local redneck that runs a junkyard. Turpentine is bad. Yeah. Um pretty sure my grandpa used to drink turpentine. It, like drinking it uh, drinking a little bit won't kill you. But if you get any in your lungs, it can like super inflame your lungs and fuck your lungs up and kill you that way. Oh, that's fucking gnarly. Yeah. So if you like puke and breathe some of it in, which you're probably going to puke cuz yeah. you're not supposed to drink it. Yeah. It's gonna, PSA. Yeah. yeah. Don't drink Don't drink turpentine. turpentine. <laughs> I don't care what some fucking stupid I'm looking at the camera again. It's not there. <laughs> I don't care what some stupid fucking celebrity said in twenty eighteen. Uh that neither Russell nor I recognized, but whenever they were getting interviewed for GQ and they're like, Dude, you just fucking turpentine and honey is a cure for the common cold. No, it's not. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's... You're gonna get people killed. That's <laughs> fucked. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sounds can, like an ad on Facebook. Yeah. They, we're, the thing they don't want you to know. It's basically what it sounded like. Like, go back and read it. I don't even remember what the bitch's name was. I'm not gonna uh. give her any time, but... <laughs> uh, just, like, search Turpentine and Honey and you'll find it. It's a article from GQ in, like, 2018. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, we're continuing our uh, spotlight on Robert Eggers, um, with the lighthouse from 2019. It's rated R. It's an hour and 49 minutes. Fuck. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's black and white and in standard def or not standard def, but standard, uh, like four by whatever three. It has bars on the side of the screen. Yeah. This is a weird movie, bud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hold on we gotta okay we're gonna go back to 2019 when the movie came out real quick uh okay. so I, can I, we can we go back can we I, go back to 2019 <laughs> i think everyone wants to at this point um so when this movie came out i seen the trailer and i was like holy shit i want to see this movie because the trailer yeah. it was like this is a black and white movie about two dudes in a Two house dudes on a lighthouse by a seashore, and I was like, "This movie is gonna be awesome." And it was like Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, and I was like, "This movie's gonna be fucking nuts." Yeah, and uh, I hadn't watched The Witch yet. I actually watched this before I watched The Witch the first time I watched these movies, yeah. and I never really watched The Witch. I watched like apparently ten minutes and then fell asleep. Woke up at the very end, but. 
So I had told Shane about this movie because I, th- I believe we had already started doing the podcast uh, when this movie came out. Probably. Um, I don't know. And I was like, dude, we, you, you just got to watch this movie at some point. Like, we got to watch this movie at some point. Yeah. Like, fucking, this movie is nuts. And I'm super excited that we got to watch it and that you watched it. <laughs> He's just super happy that I watched this movie. And I, looked yeah. at, I looked at the camera again. <laughs> Not going to stop looking over there where the camera should be for the other show. But yeah, so I, I've been talking about this movie for three years essentially yeah uh and it's it's good it's uh so basically the the gist of the movie is um the imdb synopsis is two lightkeepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious new england island in the 1890s uh which is you know that's fairly accurate like that's that pretty much sums it up man like yeah uh you know, uh, Ephraim and Thomas show up on the island to relieve the last guys, and they're like there for what was it six weeks? Or I, I don't remember what they're oh, supposed oh, to they're be there. They're supposed to be there for four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah, they're supposed to be there for four weeks, uh, and then they, you know, the next guys come and re- and uh, relieve them. Um, so there's some weirdness going on, like, uh. Ephraim starts seeing stuff like almost immediately. Yeah. Um, Thomas is like crazy. Might be some kind of <laughs> monster. We don't know <laughs> if Ephraim's just seeing shit. Uh, but uh, there's a point where like the day after you think it's the day after relief was supposed to show up. There's like this huge storm. Yeah. And relief doesn't show up. They're like standing on the side of the island, like on the rocks, like waiting for the ship to just show up. Yeah. And it doesn't show up. So then like the next you think it's the next day and like they go through a bunch of shit and then like Ephraim's like Fuck, this sucks. But you know, we've only been here like a day or two. Oh, yeah. the 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 food goes to rot. Yeah. And uh the damp. The damp gets to the Yeah, the damp gets to the food. He says it goes to rot later. Yeah. But uh he's like, Oh, it's only been a day, like we should be fine and he's like, We've already been here for weeks and shit. And yeah. Then, and like I can't like sometimes you're like it, the 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 movie fucks with you. Yeah. Because it's like it doesn't show you for sure that either character is crazy. Right. So like you're believing what Ephraim is seeing until like Thomas is like, no, man, what are you talking about? That yeah. never happened. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he, and you can't tell if you're being gaslighted by Thomas <laughs> or if like Ephraim's crazy. Yeah. Who's the unreliable narrator? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. You don't fucking know. And it's, it's fucking nuts. Uh, eventually, like, it just goes to shit. And like, I love how, like, the whole movie, Thomas is just like on Ephraim's ass about like cleaning the the quarters. Yeah. And then like about two thirds of the way through the movie, the quarters just gets fucking wrecked. Yeah. And it just stays that way for yeah. the rest of the movie. Yeah. And they're just like they're drunk as fuck <laughs> and like just like sitting in water, 
like fucking like all the tables and chairs and shit just like floating around in the room and they're just drunk yeah like fuck it i don't even care anymore yeah um and there's like some crazy fucking like uh monologues and like i don't just it's nuts this whole movie's insane yeah we uh You just you just have to watch it. Like if you're listening and you haven't seen this movie, like shut this episode off. Go, Go watch, watch the movie. Yeah. Like or when movies. you have time, come back to the episode. Like it. <clears throat> I don't. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that hasn't seen the movie. Even if you don't care about spoilers, I still don't want to spoil it for you because you just have to experience this movie. Like for what it is. Like the it, it, this movie is not for everyone. Yeah. Like for sure, this is one of those movies. That I and I watched it, and the first time I watched it, I was like, "Holy shit! Somebody made a movie for me." Uh, <laughs> because, just for me, yeah. I, I kind of felt that way because I was like, I don't know a whole lot of people that are going to enjoy this. Shane might enjoy this. I don't know how many people are actually yeah. going to enjoy this movie. It's crazy. Yeah, I like and, it. It's crazy though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fucking nutty. Uh so yeah, just like you just just go watch the movie. Uh we're gonna talk about it now. So if it gets spoiled at this point, it's your fault. Yeah, so uh eventually um Ephraim reveals that he's not Ephraim, that he's also Thomas, but a different Thomas. Or is he? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he like didn't kill a guy but he watched a guy die and then took his identity and like came yeah. to the lighthouse but he wanted to kill him he thought he about even it. thought about it yeah thought about it a lot uh <laughs> and then he seems to catch thomas in a lie about every story that he's told the whole time he's been there yeah and he's like, you're not who you say you are either. And he's like, yeah. ah, fuck you. <laughs> he's just like, fuck you, kid. Fucking let Neptune swallow you whole and shit. Yeah. It's like, what the uh, that, fuck? That seems so important. Um, yeah. So, I... Uh, I'm gonna wait till you're done with the <laughs> yeah, synopsis. So, but, okay, so like, they just like keep poking at each other and then become best friends when they, be, when they get drunk. And then they fight. And then they like almost kiss, and then they fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's like some homoeroticism. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? And like after they like fight because they almost kissed, and then they make up, and then like they're laying on each other, just like laying, holding each other ever so gently, because yeah. they're super drunk and don't care anymore. Yeah, and telling each other stories about their lives. It's fucking weird. I'm just like. This is fucking nuts. And, uh, I mean, Ephraim sees or hallucinates, you don't know, uh, a mermaid siren a couple times. Um, and he, like, beats off thinking about her and the guy that he didn't kill at yeah. the same time, which is weird. He yeah. also, like, so Thomas won't let Ephraim take care of the light in the lighthouse. Like, ah, I tend to light. 
You do something else. You yeah. do everything else. <laughs> everything else. You get the coal. You paint the lighthouse. You swab the dicks. You fucking take care of the cistern. You do everything with the food except for cook it. I'll cook the food. So he cooks the food and he tends the light and that's it. Tells Ephraim what to do. Yeah. Um. He helps sometimes. So like when he's painting, he like holds the rope and shit. Uh. But. Mostly, he just, like, writes down that Ephraim's a piece of shit in his book. Yeah. <laughs> Which you don't know about that either until yeah. the end. Because um, he's, like, he, like, threatens him with it at one point. And he's, like, no, I got it. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's, it's fine. And he's, like, all right. Well, yeah. You get good marks today and shit. And... But he didn't. He never gave him good marks. No. And from day one, he... Suggested docking his pay. Completely docking <laughs> Completely it. Completely docking. Like, don't pay him anything. <laughs> which Ephraim also hates himself, which you get a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, there's some so self-loathing. So suggesting his own pay be docked? Yeah. I don't know. You, you don't either. know. Because <laughs> this movie doesn't... It, it doesn't make sense, but, like, in a good way. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the thing that I love about this so much, because, yeah. like, there's movies that you don't feel, like, paid off. And then there's movies, and there's it does two things. Like, you could end up leaving this movie feeling like it didn't pay off. And sure. then you could also be like, this movie is too ambiguous. What the fuck? Yeah. And, like, we, we've watched movies where, where, like, the movie's too ambiguous and not oh, in a yeah. good way. Like, this trash. Yeah. And watched movies where, like, there's no payoff, and you don't, you know, it doesn't... But throughout the whole movie, like, the difference, I think, is, like, you really feel what the characters are going through yeah. character characters uh parentheses yeah uh, <laughs> no I so agree. yeah so like you really get to 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 the feeling of what the characters are going through and i feel like that is what like lends to this still being good while doing things i usually don't enjoy yeah so like i feel like the this movie in particular is the the journey is more important than the destination kind of thing yes um because you're like on for you're along for a completely wild ride, yeah, the whole time, yeah, um, like just the the complete insanity that happens in between these two characters, because it really is just these two characters. There's six actors in the whole movie, uh, and two of them you never see their faces. They never, yeah. two of them that you never see their faces, and the other two you see their faces, but you they never have a line. Yeah. Uh, because there's there's the two guys that leave when yeah. they show up. Yeah. Okay. In one shot, and I also They're think in it's interesting shot. that they don't exchange any dialogue. Yeah. Because who is it? Yeah. Is it them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, so which also lends to some of the other stuff that we're we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so like, there's those two actors. Then you have your main two actors, uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, uh, playing. Uh, Willem Dafoe plays Thomas, and uh, Robert Pattinson plays Ephraim slash Thomas, the other Thomas. And then you have uh, the other Ephraim, who's like only in a few scenes as like flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, who's like a bleach blonde? Like it was fucking weird. Yeah. Um, which I mean, you can't really tell. It could be white hair. Or just like light enough blonde that it shows up as white in black and white, but he look it just makes him look like he's bleach blonde. 
and then there's the siren and those are like the only people that are in the movie and like the sirens only in a couple of shots yeah the other ephraim's only in a couple of shots it's 99.995 percent pattinson and defoe yeah and just them like either by themselves because there's a quite a few scenes where they're by themselves mostly pattinson but there's a couple with uh defoe yeah uh they're just like chewing the scenery and it's like having weird silent moments like uh but uh i don't know where i was going with that i haven't finished the snobs (laughs) (laughs) but there's like nobody else in this movie and it's just like a wild ride of like the interaction between these two characters and these two actors um and you see all this stuff happening to them like um pattinson gets you know uh Ephraim gets curious, goes up to the light in the middle of the night and like finds Thomas like up there, but he, the door is always locked, but it's like a grate, So he can kind of see up there and like, he's naked and maybe he's beaten off. You don't know. And like, then like getting sucked off by a squid. Yeah. There's like something like drips down <laughs> something. And it's not turpentine. Yeah. Don't swallow it. Uh, And then, like, there's, like, a weird squelching sound, like, either, uh, I don't know. There's, like, fucking tentacle monster up there. Yeah. Of some kind. Or at least he thinks there is. And then he wakes up, and he he's not there anymore. He's in his bed. Yeah. And, like, there's, there's a lot of weird shit like that. Um... There's a whole scene at the end because we get to the end and they like they break. They both break. Yeah. And uh, Ephraim gets the upper hand over uh, Thomas and uh, beats him almost to death and chokes him. And during that scene, there's a whole part of it where Thomas is like he's Neptune. He's like covered in barnacles and has a crown yeah. And like has squid tentacles and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? It's like nuts. <laughs> and and uh and then like Ephraim like comes to and he's not like that anymore and he's just beating this old man to death. Uh so he stops. And then he like treats him like a dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so fucking weird. And he leads him outside yeah. to where they... Well, he treats he him like a dog. Him, yeah, because he, he called calling. him dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense, but it's super fucking weird yeah. and awkward. Uh-huh. Uh, so you watch Willem Dafoe, like, walk, like, crawl like a dog, like, 50 feet yeah. from, like, the exit of this building, like, down this trail. And you just, like, watch. This is, like, one single shot of them walking down this trail towards the camera. And then they cross in front of it and it pans over to this hole where they had dug a bunch of bottles of booze out. And, uh, he like starts to bury him. Uh, Ephraim starts to bury Thomas and he's still alive. Uh, and he gives another little speech, uh, while he's burying him. And, uh, he like falls unconscious and he thinks he's dead. So he like, loots his body and grab grabs the keys to go up to the light. Yeah. Um and instead of finishing burying him, he just leaves him there. I was like, uh, he's gonna come back, bro. <laughs> you can't do that. 
What are you doing? <laughs> so he goes into the house and uh, into the quarters, and I don't, oh, he like goes for a cigarette because he's like he wanted a cigarette. Yeah, he wanted a cigarette. He checks. He doesn't have any. Yeah. So he goes back into the house. Goes back into the house to get a cigarette, and then uh, uh, Thomas just like comes out of nowhere with a fucking axe and hits him with it, and then in the from, shoulder. Yeah. Everham just kind of soaks it. He's just like, oh, cool. I'll take that. Takes yeah. the axe and fucking plants it in between Thomas's eyes. <laughs> so then Thomas is dead. So Ephraim goes up to look at the light, and he has like a weird, crazy experience with the light that we don't really see. We just see his face while it's happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's fucking nuts. He touches and, it. Yeah. He touches the light. And then he falls back down the stairs. Yep. Uh, and then he ends up on the rocks naked. Um, his eyes and maybe his liver. I would assume it's his liver. Being pecked out by seabirds. Yep. On the rocks of the island. Yep. And that's the end. Yeah. Fucking what? <laughs> so yeah uh i i'm i'm super like i usually don't uh like sometimes it's okay but for the most part i usually don't have to like to look something up to understand like the deeper aspects of a movie yeah but i actually appreciated like how fucking deep this movie was yeah like how deep a cut it was like to some of like the mythological um, uh, like mythos, the lore. Yeah, like, I got the Prometheus one because I just know that one. Yeah, but I did not get the Proteus one. Yeah, because I I don't know the Proteus story. Yeah, and like so, like even now, like I'm where I'm not going to be able to regurgitate like all of this. Yeah, like but it's there's there's like so much depth to everything he did to everything Eggers did for and in this movie. And, like, every shot is intentional. Um, one of the things that stands out to me uh, before we get too far into some of the deep, the deep oceans and stuff, yeah. um, is that, uh, so, Ephraim eventually kills a gull after being warned yeah. not to, not to harm the seagulls. Yes. And so he eventually kills the gull. And then, like, bad stuff starts to happen. But also, right before bad stuff starts to happen, uh, Thomas, which is Defoe, lays a curse on him where he's like, where he's talking about, like, the Neptune stuff and, like, Poseidon yes. and, like, like, does this whole like super intense monologue uh and, and like basically like lays a curse on him yeah so like i love the parallels between those two scenes because it lends to the idea that maybe they are the same person because like if everything is hap if all the bad stuff is happening because of like ephraim like doing bad stuff, then like those two scenes still go together with him killing the gall and like his alternate 
quote unquote personality like laying the curse on him because mm. like you could look at the movie from like so many different angles like one of one of them that i i picked out was like ephraim is you know has a lot of self-loathing and like hates himself on some level um very deeply and so like one of the ways to look at it is if they are the same person then like you know thomas to him like thomas would be treating him the way he thinks he deserves to be treated sure and so with those two par- with those two scenes that i think parallel each other and not really knowing like cuz it's ambiguous like is, is it's the bad stuff starting to happen because Ephraim killed the gall or is the bad stuff starting to happen because thomas laid the curse on him or is it both because they're the same person or is it self self-fulfilling prophecy yeah so like it all like it it works either way you look at it yeah there's several different ways that it works like it also works in that like they're not the same person but they're two people cursed at the same time yeah which is the the proteus and prometheus thing right um but yeah i don't know there's like a lot of different ways to look at it um i mean you can just look at it as it is and even then it's still there's still a lot going on as far as like you know there's like some sexual frustration going on yeah um there's like uh belief and disbelief in uh superstitions superstitions yeah there's uh like the alcohol abuse and then like yeah because also shit doesn't start going crazy completely crazy until, until they, they start drinking start until drinking. Ephraim specifically until Ephraim starts, starts drinking and then it gets worse when they run out yeah and start drinking the turpentine yeah so there's like a whole underlying uh thing about alcoholism too yeah and like it's <laughs> fuck dude yeah I know no there's so much going on in this movie it's fucking ridiculous so much going on in a movie with two fucking dudes yelling at each other the whole time <laughs> in a lighthouse by themselves for less than two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have the the thing about Prometheus and Proteus called up? Yeah. Because I know the, the Prometheus thing. The Prometheus myth is like, you know, that he was a titan and he stole uh stole fire from Olympus. Yeah. And then he was punished by Zeus uh for giving fire to man um by uh basically having him die over and over again on a mountain uh on the rocks basically uh yeah. with birds pecking out his eyes and his liver. Yeah, and every night his liver would regenerate and the same thing would happen Yeah, the next day. Yeah. Um, which, like, at the end, that's what's happening to Ephraim, right? He's on the rocks. He had just touched the light and he's, uh, he's naked on the rocks and being uh, eaten by the birds while seemingly still alive because he's, like, squirming and stuff. Yeah. You can see his eyes are gone, and the one bird is like pecking around his liver area. Yeah, but it's basically it's like completely been like confirmed by Eggers, right? Because like he talks about in some interview, he talked about like uh, 
they asked him how he felt about taking artistic license with uh, mythological cre- uh, characters, and he was like, "Well, I mean, other authors of of those of those myths, right? Like, took artistic license. Like, some of the characters in one myth act completely different in another myth." Yeah. So, like, I don't have a problem with doing that myself. And then, like, these two characters never interacted before. So, it was fun for me to have them interact in this movie. Yeah. So, uh, the article I have is actually uh, Prometheus and uh, Poseidon. Oh. Okay. So, I don't have the Proteus angle. Uh, but, so, basically, kind of what this talks about is... Um, so, uh, Greek mythology in the lighthouse, God, Poseidon, and Prometheus, uh, throughout the whole film, Robert Eggers hints at Thomas and Ephraim as reflections on two mythological characters, Poseidon and Prometheus. Although the two weren't part of the same tale, Eggers found a common denominator for them in the lighthouse. In fact, the director smartly used the virtues of both Poseidon and Prometheus to clash two very powerful charismatic personas. Um... In ancient Greek mythology, Poseidon was the king of the sea. The half-man, the half-fish figure was usually portrayed with a trident and a crown, as well as a long silver beard. He belonged to the gods' pantheon and was a sibling of Hades, Zeus, Demeter, Hestia, and Hera. The key characters appearing in Greek mythology. Um, Poseidon was god of the sea, earthquakes, storms, and horses and is considered one of the most bad-tempered, moody, and greedy Olympian gods. He was known to be vengeful when insulted. The description above fits Thomas quite well. Uh, Wake, too, was bad-tempered and most certainly greedy. He craved to bogart the light all for himself. Therefore, when Ephraim finds out that Thomas killed the previous assistant, it becomes clear that Thomas is also vengeful. While this might be the mysterious light affecting him, Thomas is clearly prone to letting these stormy emotions take control of him. Eggers even hints at the Poseidon allegory in a more direct way. In one of the more allegorical scenes of the lighthouse, Thomas stands firmly above Ephraim with a blinding light beaming from his eyes. His appearance reminds of the projections that many painters and artists have referenced to Poseidon, a muscular king of the sea whose towering figure transcends its enemies. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that scene, that, like, almost still, that motion comic-esque look is fucking wild, and it just, like, pops up. Like, I love the way that that is cut into that scene. Yeah. Um, so then this has Ephraim Winslow, the vengeful titan Prometheus. Um... Although some people might find it surprising, the word Prometheus isn't Ridley Scott's creation. (laughs) Uh, Prometheus was a titan in Greek mythology. His name was literally translated into forethinker. Prometheus craved to be among gods and had even surpassed some of them in wit and cunning. Known to be the molder of humans, he's also a trickster who defied gods by stealing their fire and giving it to his beloved humans. Uh, how does Prometheus fit among other symbols in the lighthouse? Ephraim arrived at the lighthouse as an apprentice, presumably someone of lesser importance than Thomas. In a way, it captures the relation between gods and titans. Ephraim quite literally attempts to steal the fire from Thomas, too, uh, the beaming light that Thomas takes care of. And in his final wake, 
He lies near the seashore on rocks with a flock of seagulls preying on his body. That is the way Prometheus died, too, with a slight difference of eagles instead of seagulls. Yeah. Uh, so the dream sequence where Wake stands naked, beaming light from his eyes onto Winslow, is a reference to the painting Hypnosis by German artist Sascha Schneider from 1904. I'm going to look that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's like direct. Yeah. Yeah, that picture is fucking cool. Yeah. I almost want to like get a copy and frame it or steal the original. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to continue down the, the, the mythos uh, trail here for another second. Um, the fallen god and the trickster. Uh, in the original Greek mythology, it was Zeus, the god of gods who sentenced Prometheus to eternal suffering mm. after the act of theft. The Greek pantheon was known to be ridiculously cruel, and Prometheus, pu- Prometheus's punishment belongs to one of the vilest ones. Uh, his liver was eaten every day by Zeus, uh, Zeus's bird, and it grew overnight just to be eaten again. The lighthouse could be viewed as a very artor adaption of Prometheus's story. Pattinson arrives at the lighthouse to help and learn a certain craft, but from the start, Thomas perceives him as a threat therefore treating him with no respect and hostility. That's how the gods interpreted the role of Prometheus, a danger, which needs to be used as an example to the rest of men. Thomas draws a certain line, leaving the top of the lighthouse, the symbol of the gods' pantheon all to himself. Eggers twists the story around, though. In the lighthouse, Prometheus manages to kill his god, but the act of violence costs him a life, too. And the seagulls, while they could be understood in a slightly different way, which I will move on to next, uh, symbolizes Zeus's eagles. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like he basically like I mean he took a took a tail and like kind of twisted it and did his own thing with it. Uh, so I don't know what this is from. But it literally is quoting Eggers is saying that it's Proteus. Oh, okay. This, yeah, I'm just reading an interpretation. There's a couple yeah. quotes from Eggers, but yeah, it's weird. Well, okay, so this says um, we realized well, Prometheus and Proteus never hung out in any Greek myths before, but that seems to be what is kind of happening here. Prometheus might be taking on some characteristics that he hasn't in the past, Eggers said in the same interview, but you know what? The classical authors did that all the time. So Proteus um, was actually a son of Poseidon, uh, referring to him being his eldest son, uh, older than Poseidon's other son, the sea god Triton. Um, And he was often regarded as the old man of the sea. Um, oh, shit. I've read that book. Uh, primordial keeper of knowledge and friend to sea beasts that knew everything there is to know, but hated sharing the knowledge. So similar, right, to yeah. the fire, um, you know, 
Prometheus instead of stealing the fire. He's stealing the knowledge from Proteus. Yeah. And receives the same fate that he received from um, Zeus, including, you know, the the lighthouse itself and the stairs being basically like climbing Mount Olympus. Yeah. Um, all that good shit. This also talks about a Reddit theory that we were talking about. Um, them being the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, completing an endless cycle, one man raging at himself and his own past mistakes. Certainly there's the distinct sound of one leg breaking when Pattinson drops from the lighthouse tower. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. So this also points out uh while Eggers plot explains the need for two manned for two manned station, the reality was that many lighthouses had only one person working at a time. Mm. It wasn't particularly safe, but that's the reality. In reference to one man stations, then Ephraim could have been sent to the lighthouse after his predecessor drowned by accident. If that was the case, then Willem Dafoe's character could be a delusion of Ephraim all along. The theory finds reasoning in the fruitless discussions of the two characters. On many occasions, Ephraim behaves as if Thomas was a nagging voice in his head, which keeps on blabbering. Superstitions, sailor tales, and self-diminishing could all be signs of a mental illness. Furthermore, consider Ephraim's origins, the need to change his name, looking for a fresh start. Yeah. By creating a fake companion, Ephraim tries to remain sane, but then the solitude drives him mad. That's not all, though. The scene with the mermaid proves that Ephraim wasn't mentally stable, and the act of the murder could also be just him easing the tension accumulated, like a metaphor of throwing away the voice that's stuck in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, like, there's this multiple ways, legit to ways to see the movie. Interpret it, yeah. Um, so and this is what I have on the on the ending. Um, so the mysterious light in the lighthouse, the symbolism of the lighthouse leaves one enormous question mark after the last scene. In particular, what the light was that beamed inside the building. Eggers leaves a lot of space to think and discuss here. The en- enigmatic, enigmatic ending when a tiny creepy door opens and Ephraim's ecstasy happens is ambiguous. The script doesn't explain what's inside the rounded bulb, nor does it explain its power over light keepers. Therefore, there are several ways to understand the meaning of the light. The entire lighthouse could be seen as a temple existing for some unknown sea creature, or even a quasi-god of sorts that Thomas or any other previous light keepers found. This theory would explain the tentacles seen earlier in the film, when something sleezed above Pattinson's head. In this case, the beam of light would radiate directly from the creature itself. On the other hand, Eggers never crosses out the option that the lighthouse hosted some extraterrestrials who poisoned the mind of Thomas. <clears throat> While the director stated that he's much into occultism and folk- folklore, it would be tempting to think of the lighthouse as secretly Lovecraftian sci-fi horror and a solid entry for the top cosmic horrors of all time. Yeah. So similarly to that, like as far as like the unfathomable, right? Like that was something, uh, yeah. Like the, the way that Lovecraft described stuff was just like, uh, it was beyond human com- comprehension and stuff like that. Right. 
Yeah. Um, that can apply to a lot of different stuff, right? So, like, similarly, like, what I was talking about with Proteus, like, the knowledge of everything and, you know, knowing things that are older than man and stuff like that, yeah. like, and then you stumble upon that and it's something that you can't comprehend, right? So, yeah. like, then it fucks you, it fucks your head up. It could be something like that. Um, yeah. I I I think the... Uh, I don't remember exactly the phrasing, but it's like, so one of the Lovecraft things, uh, I think it's from Call of Cthulhu. Uh, he says, uh, I think the most merciful thing bestowed upon man was the lack of our mind to correlate all of its contents. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, to not under like, to have all of the knowledge, yeah, but just to not, not be, able, be to able to put connect it together. All the dots, yeah. Like, and thinking of that as, like, a merciful thing. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> right. Like, it's fucking, ugh, it's wild. Yeah, the, the Dr. Manhattan thing. I'm, I'm yeah. a puppet, too, but I can see all the strings. Yeah. Yeah. Time is a gem. Man just insists on seeing it one facet at a time. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to go down to the corner? Uh, I have one do more have thing. One more thing. Uh, and then we can we can do the corner. Okay. Um. So there were rumors that Robert Eggers' film is actually based on a true story. Oh yeah. Uh, what's the truth? To quote the director himself. Direct quote from Robert Eggers in a chat with Vox. Um, it really happened in Wells in the early part of the 19th century. The way the story is told and ends is like a folktale. So how much truth there is to the story, to this true story, who knows? Very little of that story, aside from the fact they're both named Thomas, came into the lighthouse. But the idea that they were both named Thomas struck a chord. I was like, okay, this is a movie about identity and can devolve into some weird, obscure places. Then we started researching all about period lighthouses and the maritime community. What are these people eating? What are they wearing? And where are they living? And how are they living? Reading Herman Melville and Robert Louis Stevens and other stuff, mostly, frankly, for learning how people talk. Uh, the story Robert Eggers refers to is a tragedy that took place in 1801. The location was known as the Smalls Lighthouse. Two workers, Thomas Howell and Thomas Griffith, were prone to fight a lot. In what's told to be a fatal accident, Griffith was killed by Howell, the later crawling in fear that he might be sentenced for a crime, built an outside coffin, and hid the body there. However, the moody weather made the situation even worse, as found on this Wikipedia page. Uh, the lighthouse isn't a direct retelling of the above. However, Eggers clearly used some parts of it to get inspired. Crazy. So I'm assuming that other movie is also inspired by the same thing. Yeah. There's another movie called The Lighthouse. From 2016. Came, yeah, 2016. Which we discovered today. Yeah. Huh. But yeah. So that's uh, 
That's pretty much that's pretty much it most of the stuff I wanted to touch on. So if you want to hit the corner. Yeah, let's go down to the corner. This is Shane's trivia corner because Dave isn't here today. Shane's trivia corner. Oh, I guess I could have done that. <laughs> Where it's your job to say. Ooh. Neat. Yep. I'm supposed to get you to say it. Uh, so the scene where Willem Dafoe's character gives this sea curse to Robert Pattinson's character because he doesn't like his cooked lobster was shot in one single take. According to Robert Eggers, Dafoe didn't blink for over two minutes. <laughs> of course he didn't. Jesus, fuck. Uh, Robert Pattinson's accent is based on a very specific area of Maine farming dialect where Willem Dafoe's is the jargon of Atlantic fishermen and sailors of the time. Director and writer Robert Eggers was very precise about the actor's accents and line delivery. Line delivery. He would, for example, give instructions to say, to say the second sentence of your third line 75% faster. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Um, I love this guy. <laughs> that's woof. Uh, the casting crew filmed under extreme weather conditions, freezing temperatures, cold Atlantic water, intense winds, snow, rain, and no protective flora on the fortune terrain uh, kept them exposed to the elements throughout the shoot. Three nor'easters blew across Cape Fortu, uh during various stages of the production. Much of the film was shot in real weather elements, so rain and wind machines weren't needed most of the time with director Robert Eggers stating that the most crazy and dramatic stuff was shot for real. The crew had to film the scene where Pattinson's character goes into the sea at night when the weather settled down because they were afraid they might lose him to a riptide. Jeez. Yeah. Also connected to this, uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson stated that they barely spoke a word to each other uh, on set and were too exhausted to hang out together after a day of shooting because filming was so physically demanding due to the miserable weather conditions. While Pattinson stayed at a normal hotel with the rest of the film crew during the shoot, Defoe lived in a little fisherman's cottage in solitude. <laughs> on set, on the other hand, Pattinson would tend to eat and stay by himself during film breaks while Defoe stayed with the crew. Both stated that they liked each other very much as soon as they had their first real conversation a few months later. <laughs> um, so Defoe did an interview uh, uh, about this movie shortly afterwards, and I don't remember who he did the interview with, but the guy was like, one of the late night guys, uh, yeah. was like, your acting in this is like absolutely superb. It's so amazing. Oh, and yeah. Defoe was like, yeah, we weren't really acting. It was just so us. It was, it was just us in these conditions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just acting crazy. It was just us, though. Uh, so the, the film has an aspect ratio of 1.19 to 1. There it is. An almost square frame that was used in early sound years by filmmakers, uh, including Fritz Lang and George Willem Pabst. Uh, it was originally necessary to make room on the physical film for the soundtrack. For The Lighthouse, they specifically chose this aspect ratio because the spaces in this movie were meant to m feel confined. It's more of a close-up movie than The Witch. Um, the idea of widescreen only came about in the 1950s, and we wanted to make take people back further than that. Hmm. Neat. Aha! Uh -huh. 
let me see. There were versions of the script that were too clear. Uh, director Robert Eggers' goal was to make the audience go mad and become confused <laughs> like Winslow. So the final script turned out being more confusing for the audience. Nice. Uh, oh, there was one about facial hair. Where'd that one go? Uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe's facial hair was all real. However, Pattinson had to dye his mustache dark because he's naturally dark blonde. Uh, Defoe's bad teeth were a prosthetic. Hmm. Which the, the, we've talked about Defoe's teeth before uh, with Spider-Man because yeah. they gave him prosthetic nice teeth when he's Osborne and took the the nice teeth away when he's <laughs> Goblin. <laughs> Uh, Robert Pattinson had an unusual approach to psych himself up before emotionally extreme scenes. Director Robert Eggers notes, Sometimes he'd beat himself in the face so bad, or when it was raining through the cottage roof, Rob was drinking the rainwater in between takes. He also spun around in circles a lot. That was helpful for him. Or he'd stick his fingers down his throat to make himself gag. Stuff like that. In particular, the scene where both characters were drunk and Defoe lies on, on Pattinson's chest. He was sticking his fingers down his throat before the take. Willem gave me a look as if to say, if Robert fucking pukes on me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) When asked to describe the movie, director-writer Robert Eggers uh, always used the same choice of words in every interview. Nothing good can happen when two men are trapped alone in a giant phallus. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I love this guy. Uh, No seagulls. This is going to be the last one. Uh, No seagulls were harmed during the filming of this movie. (laughs) I should just leave it at that. Uh, The seagull scenes were filmed with a puppet, which was just digitally replaced with real seagulls. The real birds were trained rescue seagulls named Lady, Tramp, and Johnny. Uh, they reshot the scenes with the re- real seagulls in front of a green screen in a studio in the UK because they couldn't fly the seagulls to Nova Scotia and Canada. The missing eye was done in post-production. Other seagulls seen flying around the distance were living in that area when always were around while shooting, much to the anger of the crew <laughs> because the seagulls quickly realized to use them as their food source. <laughs> And that will do it <laughs> for Train's Trivia Corner. Okay, so you want to rate this? Yeah, let's rate it. All right. Uh, I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this a nine. Uh, I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, it's completely bonkers ass crazy. Um, it is not digestible by a general audience at all. <laughs> No. Um, it is made for people that want to watch people go nuts for an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. And, like, not much else. Like, you can't just watch it. You get, you have to be in the mood to watch it, and you have to be the kind of person that would enjoy watching it. So it can't be... But in that aspect, it was done extremely well. Uh, So it... it it reached the purpose in which it was it was trying to reach, right? So, 
I think it did that part very well. All the acting is fantastic, which there's only two actors, but you know, it's all fucking fantastic. Um, not a lot of special effects. I like that there's a reason that it's shot the way it's shot and the way it looks and the way it sounds and everything like that. That makes me happy. Like, and knowing the reason, um, that kind of stuff is awesome. Very cool. Uh, like something we talked about last week with the witch, uh, where, you know, you're using a medium, uh, as part of the art, as opposed to just what the art is on. Yeah. Right. So like the way it was shot and what it was shot on, the way it is presented is all part of it as opposed to just being like, Hey, we want to show you something and this is as good as we can get it to look. So here it is, which is, that's fine for 99% of stuff. Yeah. But like when you can add that extra layer of presentation, Right. And you do. I think that's like a nice extra yeah. finishing touch. So I'm going to give it a nine. How about you? 9.9. You're just going to suck this dude's dick what? for three weeks, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't actually seen the Northman, so uh, we'll okay. see. Uh, so I, <sighs> I feel the same. I gave the witch a 9.9, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I there I don't think that this movie could be any better. I I imagine there's something somewhere in the sands of time that could have made this movie just a little better. So it gets a 9.9 instead of a 10. But I don't know that this movie could have been any better. Uh I for what it is and and, and that's what I'm saying too like for what this movie is and his goal and what he wanted to do. Like, I think this movie was pretty much perfectly executed. Uh, all the, all the scenes, like I'm so gripped watching this movie. This doesn't seem like a movie that I would watch again and be like, just as into, Mm -hmm. but when we were watching it, even after I had been awake for way too long, uh, I was just like, fuck this movie is great yeah like every scene is just like gripping like you always you like even knowing what was gonna happen i was just like fuck man like this every scene like it just reels me in just a little bit more um it is ridiculously uh grotesque at a couple points sure um but even like like if you'd have told me hey Eggers is gonna make mermaid pussy look classy. I'd have been like, no. What? <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, that that mermaid puss is class. <laughs> like, I just because cause like, they're jerking off the whole movie and like he's getting sucked off by a squid, and then you literally there is a literal moment where you see what there's a, more than one moment. I think mermaid. you see it more than once. The mermaid vagina? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just the one. Shot. One time's like a glimpse. The other time it's oh, like yeah. full on. Yeah, like you... You're like, oh, yep. Well, they meant to show us that. Yep. That was intentional. Yep. And while it's weird, like, it, like, if this was true or even if you were hallucinating it, like, 
the way like this movie doesn't treat reality as like some PG like family orientated thing. Yes. So like this is this is like a real life movie. Yeah. Like, it treats everything as like shit. Because like they go to the bathroom in this movie multiple times. Yeah. Like they have and, fucking piss pots in the in the bedroom. Yeah, and, and they share gross. a bedroom. And there's a giant fucking turd in one at one point when he wakes yeah. up, and then he throws it into the wind. Yeah, and like the humor too. Like, yeah. like so, uh, Willem Dafoe's big monologue scene about Poseidon is like, yeah, ended with Pattinson being like, "All right then," or something to that he effect. He says, "All right." Have it your way. I like your cooking. Yeah, yeah, that's what he says. And, like, there's a joke, right? But it doesn't undercut everything else that just happened. It doesn't undercut the whole monologue. Like, you still feel all of that scene. And just, like, when Robert Pattinson says that, it's like, I mean, what the fuck else was he going to say to that? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Willem Dafoe just lost all of his shit on him. Completely. And, uh... You know, and then there's a parallel scene later where Pattinson says, oh, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but Pattinson goes on like a little monologue thing and then Defoe like says something. He says, you have a way with words, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it, you know, it, once again, not undercut, like perfectly written, perfectly delivered in a way that relieves the tension with a joke. But is a realistic... Like, in the way that a real person would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's not like a... It's not like a crafted two-line joke with a setup and a... Like, it's... It's real dialogue. And, like, yeah, yeah, like, the movie is so well-written, like, some of... Like, you wouldn't necessarily think that the characters would talk like this in real life, but that's where the art comes in. And... It just, like, I... Dude, I don't know. Like... Eggers makes me want to make movies and like that's that's what I enjoy like so much about like his work so far Mm. is like not only do I respect what he's doing and I love what he's doing it's like a weird inspirational thing that just like reels me in like the way he has like done it and it's like fuck dude 9.9 Okay. I I go on forever. I gotta yeah. stop. Yeah, we gotta stop me because I'll just keep rambling about this fucking movie. Okay, stop. Okay, Dave emailed us what he thought about the movie too, right? Yeah. Okay. I have it right here. Sweet. He said, "My dudes, my dude, my dude. You don't like me cooking, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's your boy. Your boy." I'm here to give a short rating on The Lighthouse. I think I'm going to give it an 8. It's a very wild movie, but I really loved all the acting, especially for Defoe. It did Mm. lose me a little, but I enjoyed it all the way through. I really liked that we get to see two men, or maybe just one man, be driven mad by being stuck in one place together. While I liked The Witch better, I'm excited to watch The Northman. Robert Eggers is shaping up to be added to my list of directors to look out for. There you go. Hope you dudes are doing well and are having a good show. Love, Dave. P.S. Nope. Sean screwed Brett. 
<laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> why? Why? Why I, are we talking about the screw job? I don't know. I think he just wanted to get it in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we got a nine point nine. Or I I gave it a nine. Yep. You gave it a nine point nine. Yep. And Dave gave it an eight. Yep. Okay. But he came to a similar conclusion that we did. Yeah. So that's interesting. interesting. Thanks for emailing us, Dave. Yep. We'll uh, also be looking forward to your email about the, the Northman. Yep. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of DQB Does. We're going to continue our spotlight or our lighthouse light on Robert Eggers <laughs> next week with the Northman. Um, and we still will be without Dave, I believe. Uh, yes. Unfortunately. We love Dave. We want Dave back. Miss you, Dave. Miss you, buddy. Um, so thank you for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, email us, draftyq at gmail.com. All your questions, concerns, suggestions, asking us why Russell loves Robert Eggers so much. Um, <laughs> fuck it. Fuck, dude. Just watch the movies. Yeah. You'll see. Yeah. And um, if you know me, too. like yeah, you You'll be like, this would bit. be something his weird ass would like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Otherwise, you want to follow us on anything, uh, search Drafty Quarters Productions, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also find us on Patreon by searching the same thing. Uh, please donate a dollar a month um, so we can continue to do this and we can get some new equipment um, and we can um, eat something other than Easy Mac and ramen. Um that we don't we we well we we have like regular jobs and stuff that's but but we need money so we can not have regular jobs so this can be a regular job but yeah the, any anything you guys can give us or uh would be appreciated and then uh any kind of word of mouth just like tell everybody tell your friends like subscribe share it let everybody know that you like listening to us shout it from the lighthouse yeah go up there and grab that fire that knowledge or that otherworldly being and yell in its face that you they need to listen to our show yeah so like he touches the fire and it burns him and sentences him to death mm-hmm. yeah so maybe don't do that anyway <laughs> come back next week and listen to us uh talk about the northman uh, the last in our Robert Eggers series. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful night. We love you guys. So I was thinking about going big or going home. Go big. But then I was also like... You're already home. If I had a steak, I'd fuck it. Because <laughs> that line is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I think this is it. I think we just recorded the ending.
This has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.